today, Alex, you want to share your joy. Go ahead. Yes. So, um, okay. So after you told me yesterday, right, that it's about, it's about uh, when I notice irritation after I am saying, wow, present moment, wow. When I notice that irritation may occur sometimes after that, the practice is to make that irritation my friend, is to regard that irritation with the same way that I regard being in the present moment, to appreciate that irritation in just the okay. same way. And um, and to play with it. I remember you said too, to play with it in your body and the sensations and stuff. And I was laying down last night and I was like, you know, watching a movie with my girlfriend and I was, you know, I, I noticed going into the stream of thoughts and I was like, wow. And then I was like, oh, irritation, there it is again. How do I play with this? How do I do that? How do I actually make this my friend? What does that look like? And, you know, I'm just kind of like, playing with it and the image I gave to Dan today when I talked to him was that it's kind of like playing in a puddle it's like oh I don't really know you know I don't really know how it works I'll just splash a little there splash a little there I'll I'll, I'll try to move this sensation and you know and and so I just was experimenting and um when I woke up this morning there it all was again wow irritation wow irritation and as I got further into my morning, I noticed that the irritation became much more subtle. It became much more gentle. And it was like, oh, irritation. Oh, wow. Present moment. And it was like easy. It was easier. And I was starting to feel like how I feel when I get out of Samatha sits, when I get out of the seclusion sessions. Um, okay. It was starting to sustain itself. These wholesome thoughts, great feelings. I felt so good. Oh man, I felt really good. Um, okay. And, uh, There were other things, you know, like when I would notice anxiety or doubt, I started, you know, I, I realized I could be like, ah, oh, I see you doubt or, oh, that, that's okay. Oh, no, no. I, I'm being present right now. Thank you. <laughs> and just like, you know, just letting it all be and, and, and being more, um, I, I don't know. There's just a lot more compassion that was there for myself and for all of it. Perhaps, perhaps a way of saying it is being less. Being less? Right. Yes. You said being more, being more, and then you didn't have a word for it. So <laughs> I think just yeah, being there was, less. There was less of, yeah, there was less of stuff. And, and I was noticing like, even when I was saying wow throughout the day and coming to the present moment, I could see that it was not as, um, um, I said that already, was not as irritating, but I also saw that it wasn't as big of a thing. It wasn't as like, I needed to remind myself so much. It was more just like, oh, wow, hmm, 
Wow. And I noticed that there could be thoughts going on and I could still be okay. I was still in that state. And that's what you were talking about when you say it's not the content of the thoughts that that's the problem. It's the dissatisfaction with the thoughts, with the content, with the phenomena. So um, I, I'm proud of myself. I congratulate myself. I've had huge success today. I, I, did, uh, I did five seclusion sessions. And throughout most of the day, I was feeling good. I was in a good state of mind. I had the right attitude. I was talking about it with Dan and he's like, to me, it sounds like you got the whole eightfold noble path in your back pocket. (laughs) (laughs) They were all, all the parts were together. Now, um, I wanted to start off saying that because I don't want to, uh, sell my success short. You know, I want to acknowledge success, right? But now what I am coming, what I am what I am experiencing now is one very, very tired, very, very tired. Um, I was curious if you well, had the new bird when it falls out of the nest and begins to fly, it gets tired. It's, yeah. it's new wings. New yes. Wings. Yes. Yes. Okay. Good. I'm. I honestly just saying that made me feel a little bit more like I could understand what's going on with me, maybe feel better because I noticed that I can't, I don't want to stop doing this either. I don't want to stop this momentum. I don't want to stop these good feelings, the sustaining itself, everything that's been happening for me. I don't want to stop it. I want to keep seeing doubt and irritation. I want to keep seeing Oh, wow. The present moment. That's that's the enthusiasm. Yes. Let the enthusiasm now be the grand assistant or the ally of right effort. Ah, okay. Okay. So the enthusiasm becomes the right effort. In the beginning, Mm. um, right effort is a struggle of an escape. Say it again, please. I said in the beginning, right effort has this has the trouble of escape. We're trying to escape from something. Mm. But what mm. you're beginning now, just beginning to get is the joy of running. <laughs> rather, rather than escaping from something. Joy of running. In other words, the joy of having your your mind in correctly functioning. Yes. See, before you working to get the mind to function correctly. Now that the mind is functioning correctly, you can enjoy that. Yes. But the tiredness is going to come back, but don't let the tiredness break your machine. Okay. Don't let that go take you back down. Okay, I'm tired. Look at the tiredness. Yeah, I can see that too. Right, 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 right. And I've been doing that as well. Yeah. Um. Ah, oh, good, 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 good. So, the the relationship to practice is changing, is what I hear. So yes. it's becoming more of 
an ally for me. I, I, I've i spent the past two days like pulling, 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 going, 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 going. And now I can actually get that, okay, I'm on my feet. There's there's a speed that's going here and, and I can trust, I can, is that what I mean? I can trust that that's, mm-hmm. that that's with me. It's not like something I need to worry about holding on to. Yes, that's exactly correct. In fact, the trust would be a useful operative. Well, um, the the Pali word is shraddha, and shraddha is um, almost always incorrectly translated as faith. And the reason that I say that it's incorrectly translated is because the Christians own that word. They know what it means. Okay, you're not developing faith, you're developing confidence. Hmm. Okay, the confidence that you know that you can do this. Yes. That's the Sama Sankapa, that's the attitude that's becoming developed, the attitude of the winner rather than the attitude of the loser. So the attitude of the loser, the first right effort, is an escape. We're trying to get out of the dukkha. That's what victims do. Mm. They were try- mm. They're trying to escape, okay? But uh, there comes a time when we are at- our attitude begins to change in the sense of that dukkha that we used to run away from and try to escape. Now we recognize more and more, with more and more certainty, that it can't catch us. Mm. <laughs> and when yes. it shows up, aha, I see you there, but yeah, you know, I got you. I got you. I got you. you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, this is all a matter of the path, and that many, many people over the centuries have been successful at this. And it's the same process for everyone, and it's there, that's the Eightfold Noble Path, where that fourth item, that Samasankampa, the right attitude or the right way of thinking, rather than one individual thought in this moment, now we're getting a new way of thinking, a new way of looking, a new attitude about how we look at things is beginning to develop. From that, ex- I'm trying to get out of it. I'm trying to escape from it. To yeah, I can. I can escape it. I can get out. Wow, I, I don't have to do that right now. I don't yeah. have to do it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, now I do want to say that sometimes throughout the day today, a a lot. I don't want to say a lot because that's making it into something. Something. But, there, there were many sensations of anxiety coming up through my stomach and in my chest. And I, I treated it the same way. I was like, ah, anxiety. Ah, I see you. And I, and I, and I felt the anxiety and I tried to move it up and down into the side, like you've suggested. I even tried to see if I can move a spiral or like make it dance to a song. 
Yeah. You know, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's an interesting way of talking about it. See if you can get it to dance like uh, as a, with a song. <laughs> yeah, all this kinds of stuff. And I was like, I don't really know what it is to play with this. I'll just try this, and I'll just try that. And I and I gotta say, I don't. There is some level of uncertainty, um, with actually how to grapple with the anxiety or irritation when it is that intense it does sometimes grab me still because here i am like sustaining these good 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 wholesome feelings and thoughts right and then there's like this it's like a showdown it's like a, what are we, what are we gonna do now and sometimes okay. i just don't really know I, I get a little, I get a little lost in how to actually take care of that. Okay. First off, uh, those kinds of, um, let us say, episodes. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way come. to put it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They come. And they have been coming, and that sometimes they come, and you don't even know it. It comes, sneaks up behind you and grabs you, and you don't even know it. It's almost like your handcuffs are tied behind your back, but you don't even know that they're that your hands are tied Absolutely. until you try to move them later, and then Absolutely. you found out. Okay, so, but now what's happening is that you're beginning to wake up in that process of yeah, getting be, all tied up. I'm beginning to see it very clearly before it happens, while it's happening, during, and also my attempt to, you know, dismantle it as well. Right. Well, con con stay with the congratulations that you can see it. Yes. Okay. Yes. That's the way to do it. And um, another way of, of thinking about it is, is that this stuff only has weight through repetition that in yes. fact all uh, a mind moment can only have weight when that mind moment is repeated over and over and over again mm. and so your choice is to whether or not to repeat wholesome thoughts mm. or to repeat unwholesome thoughts and before you started practicing you didn't even know that you had a choice and you didn't even know that it was a good idea to look to see that you had a choice. <laughs> that most of most of us grow up in the delusion that what we think is who we are, and that's just how things are, and that we are our thoughts. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and that we don't recognize then when, let us say, mishap befalls us. Yes. That we don't make the connection between it was the thoughts that we had and uh, the incident or the befallment that happened. And so in confusion, the human mind will say, well, it must have been something outside of me because I'm OK. It must be something outside of me that caused the problem because I'm OK. Well, now that's the victim's position. Hmm. That something outside has done this wow. to me. Now you're beginning to wake up and recognize you've been in control all along and didn't know it. 
that basically the reason that your boat bumps into other boats is not because other boats are in your water. It's because you're not watching where you're going. It's basically the way of... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now you're waking up. Congratulations. Continue with that congratulations to continue to wake up to it. Mm. Now, this issue about the repetition is an important one in the sense that what we tend to do is we tend to struggle in a big way for a short period of time, thinking that struggling has weight to it. Well, it only has bad feelings, basically. It doesn't have any weight. That what weight is, is the repetitive piling on and piling on and piling on and over and over and over again. And so in that regard, we have, in fact, been talking ourselves into feeling bad our whole lives, not recognizing that the thoughts that we have are, um, let's say, a contributing factor to the way that we feel. Now that you're beginning to see that the way that you're thinking and the way that you, your attitude, et cetera, do contribute heavily to the way that you feel, now you have the, uh, the new intention to start repeating that over and over and over again to give that positive some weight. And whenever we see that we're having negative thoughts, then we don't want to repeat them. We want to stop those thoughts so that they don't pile on. Yes. Okay, yes. so if you have a thought that gives anxiety, if you have that thought again, it'll bring more anxiety. If you have it a third time and a fourth time and an over and over and over and over and over, and over again, that anxiety is going to build up. And so now that you're beginning to see not just that process of happening over and over again, but also you're beginning to see that you can come in and interrupt that process so that it doesn't keep piling on and piling on. That in fact, you're going to start changing it so that you're going to be doing your piling on with this mind moment and the next mind moment, one mind moment after another, a wholesome thought, one mind moment after another. And, and begin to let those pile up. That's the way that we practice, okay? So that piling on is rhythm. That is music. The piling on of just junk is just noise. It's just, you know, we keep piling stuff on. We have this bad thought and that bad thought and this one over here and, oh, it's his fault and all oh, those Republicans are bad and all oh, those Democrats are a bunch of crooks. They're liars. Uh, the, the Christians are no good. And, you know, we just go around thinking about all of these various things and, and with, with put downs to it. Uh, and we don't recognize that that actually has great physiological damage to us. That we, people do literally talk themselves into being sick. Huh. Huh. That um, the, uh, very, very many different examples of that, and one of them, which is the most spectacular, is spontaneous remission of cancer. Mm. 
that it just, I mean, they change their attitude or they recognize, wait a minute, I'm doing something wrong. I got to stop doing it. And all of a sudden the cancer just, and the doctors are surprised. The cancer goes away and nobody knows what's happening. Okay. So there are many things that are like that. There's, there's actually an old joke about it. The guy goes to the doctor and he says, doctor, every time I bump my elbow, it hurts. Why can't I, you know, and the doctor says, hmm, that means that all you need to do to get your arm to stop hurting is to stop bumping your elbow. Stop doing that. Yeah. Stop <laughs> doing it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Whenever I do this, it hurts. Well, the answer is, well, stop doing that. Okay. So it's not one bump that hurts the elbow. It's the bumping and 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 the bumping that we keep doing. Okay. So this... <laughs> Things that go bump in the mind, we can put a stop to that in this present moment rather than con continuing it on and on and on to interrupt those thoughts. So yeah. if you're having a thought about one friend and you want him to do something or you're trying to get him convinced to do something and you wake up to that, you can say, I'm going to stop talking about that to myself right now. I do not have to think about that guy. I do not have to think what I want from him at all. I can just stop that and recognize that right now I don't need whatever it is that I want from him. I'm okay right now. Maybe eventually I'll want it. But maybe eventually that time will get in, I'll start worrying about it again, and I'll have the wake up thought, well, then I don't need it now either. Mm. Okay, and so now what we can begin to see that we actually create ourselves misery by wanting things that we don't have, and we're not going to get them from these people. So why do we keep thinking about what can I say? An example right now, and this is a really easy example for many people all over. I imagine that there are tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people right now in the United States in the past 24 hours that are in their head writing to Joe Manchin to tell him what they think about him. That he doesn't keep his word, that he's a liar, that he's a crook all of these kind of words and guess what almost none of those messages none of those emails will get written hmm. but many people are just spinning their minds and burning their minds and burning their minds oh i don't like it because you did this and you know okay so that we do that so look how many spinning mind moments of dissatisfaction literally tens of thousands if not hundreds of thousands of people are going through when they don't have to, because Joe Manchin is not going to change his mind no matter what you say to him. So why are you talking to him in your mind? You're not going to convince the Joe Manchin in your mind either. Hmm. But we want and we want and we want and we want. And so we compose and we say, I'll say this and I'll say that. And who can I say it to? And who can I send a message to that will make sure that Joe Manchin actually hears what I want? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Can I share an example with he you? He doesn't care about what I want. So now let's say, well, what wow. can I do? Myself. So this is what we mean by repetitive piling on and piling on and piling on negative thoughts. 
So what we need to do is to recognize that, that in fact, much of the anxiety that people do have is because they get into repetitive thought patterns of wanting something that they don't have. And so when we begin to see that pattern that we're piling on wanting something and wanting something and wanting something, we can now change that pattern to begin to interrupt that by having thoughts of I'm okay. I'm okay without that. We'll be fine. Even though John Joe Manchin doesn't do what we want him to do. I'll survive. I'll be okay. So, so something that happened tonight that directly relates to this. Okay. After work, Mm -hmm. I did a seclusion session. I haven't gotten a text from my girlfriend in about maybe two and a half hours. Okay. She was out at the move. She was out with her. Gone. You lost her. Two and a half hours. Well, I mean, Mike, (laughs) you'll never hear from her again. (laughs) I know it sounds ridiculous. Well, here's the thing. So we have a little bit of a history with, with her, like with drinking and being out late. She used to be a bartender. And at one point it was a long time ago, but she was out with a guy, one of her friends. She came home very late in the night and I saw them you know, either kissing or hugging or whatever. I don't know what they were doing, but it looked like they were. And she didn't remember it at all because she was so drunk. And um, we weren't even dating then, but we were close to dating. And it really, really just, it hurt. It hurt a lot. Um, No, you hurt a lot. I hurt a lot. Yes, Mm. I did. I hurt it a lot. Yes. Uh And, um... And it was your choice. Yeah, see, so that's probably and, why still. And it wasn't that it hurt a lot. It's that it, the thought hurt. And then the thought hurt again. And then the thought hurt again. That it was the repetitive thinking about it that began to pile up the hurt. So you're saying it's when not what I saw, it's the thought that I had. And it's the repetitive thought. It's not what you saw, it's that you saw it in your mind a thousand times after that. You repeated it over and over and over again. And every time you did, it hurt just a little bit. And so now you walk away from that whole episode saying that it hurt a lot. Where really what happened is it hurt a little bit often. Hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't fully see that clearly. And that's probably why you, you will, when you begin to recognize that the only feelings that you can have are about the feelings, uh, that are associated with the thinking that you're having. And when you change your thought, you will change the way you feel. Okay. So today I, I, I know, so she was ahead. out, so she was out with her sisters, right? And, you know, we live together, so we don't really go many periods throughout the day where we don't talk. So I hadn't heard back from her. I asked her what she was doing and my mind was going, it was going like, oh, she had a party. Oh, did she drink? Is she with the guy right now? And I just noticed the thoughts, every single one. And I, and, and I, and I saw them, mm-hmm. I saw them. I was like, ah, I see you. I see you irritation. I see you fear. 
I see you. No, I see you anxiety. And I, I laid down and I sat with the sensations. I tried to move it. I did another seclusion session. Um, mm -hmm. um, I, I eventually just called her, right? I called her. And what she told okay. me is that she was in the movies with her sisters. It was a movie that her and I were supposed to see. So I was jealous and butthurt. And then I was going off of my head like you did. I'm like, oh, greed. Ah, oh, oh, ill will. You want to be upset with her. I even told her on the phone. I was like, well, there was a little bit of a flame, but it's gone now. It wasn't true, though. I was still a little upset. I was still mm -hmm. hurt. But, you know, because I've been developing this practice, I thought I could let it go. No, I think that you were correct. In fact, when you told her that it wasn't anything, because in that moment, it wasn't. It became something later when you started thinking about it again. Maybe, maybe you brought it back up. This is the point that we're that we're making. It's the repetitiveness of the thought that that gets us into bad feelings. That in fact you mentioned that when you were thinking about where was she and what was she doing. Yes, and you were dwelling on it. And then or after we got off the phone, in that. Old, Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then after I got off the phone, I started thinking about it more, and I thought, well, wait a minute, hold on, let's stop here. You thought she was drunk, you thought she was with guys, it wasn't any of that. She was at the movies with her sisters, they got surprise tickets, it's not like she just went to the movie in spite of you. Like, chill out, dude. And then, hey, success, congratulate yourself, because you saw this, mm -hmm. it's good that you're seeing this. Then exactly I so. and then I and then I went downstairs and went to do my laundry and then I noticed it was there again. I was like, ah, I see you, ill will. Like literally wanting to question her, wanting to interrogate her, literally thinking she was lying to me that maybe her sister didn't get her surprise tickets. Maybe they all just decided to go to the movie without me. <laughs> and it was like I was like, ah, I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you, and I was doing it, I was doing it, but Domorado, it didn't. It didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work to, to let it go of it. It did work when you were doing it. It was working when you did it, but working one time and you did it doesn't mean that you have solved the problem. As Dan had said, you've got the Eightfold Noble Path in your hip pocket, but you need it to pull out of the pocket sometimes and to plug it in. <laughs> okay. That that's you're giving exactly the sequence that, that goes. Yes, you you will wake up and stop doing it and then you can congratulate yourself for waking up and stop doing it and then a couple of minutes later you're back into it again that's the habit pattern of the mind are you going to continue that and only have occasionally waking up and feeling good and then spending most of your time back in it saying oh well i i talked myself out of it and i'm back in of what the hell okay in other words you become a victim Again, now you're victimized by your own mind. Hmm. Instead of, oh, no, I don't have to think about my girlfriend at the movies right now. I can wait till she gets home. I can wait. I don't have to think about that. Let me think about laundry right now. Let me do an exquisite job of laundry rather than a half-assed job of laundry and a half-assed job of girlfriend. <laughs> Oh, man, but 
but Domerado, what about when it's it's so it's like the episodes? It's so no, mm-hmm. it's not so. You're doing the it's so <laughs> because you're trying to describe to me how bad you feel. And uh, the answer to that is, is the only reason that we feel bad is because we keep bumping into the same wound. We keep knocking the same wound over and over again. Better thing is to let your relationship with your girlfriend heal by stop thinking about her. Stop bumping on it. Stop this repetitive um, issue. Get that stuff out of your mind and start having your mind moments over and over again of the things that you like about your girlfriend. Or about how well you can handle her going to the movie. I can I can handle that. So you're really saying like sometimes it just comes down to like kind of like having like a debate with that with that darkness that darkness my old friend just having a debate with him no i can do that oh i see you ah, i got gotcha. you oh i got gotcha you there too oh no i see you no i'm okay i don't need to think about that like no matter how intense it feels here how no matter how intense it feels here because it's here it's here mm-hmm. when it becomes the problem it's not mm-hmm. in my head it's here Ah, but you talk yourself into those feelings. You talk yourself into those feelings, and it's done through two sets of glands, the pituitary and the um, penal glands, which are in the back of the head here. And they have, uh, let us say, a, a, a neurochemical pathway directly to the adrenaline gland. Now, the reason that the adrenaline gland is as far away from the penal gland as it is, and this is the the lymphatic system, this is a communication system, and it communicates through chemistry. And so the penal gland turns on and says, okay, Mr. Adrenaline gland, go do your thing. What does the adrenaline gland do? Because that's an important point. Where is the adrenaline gland? It sits on top of the liver and it's beside the kidneys. The liver is that part of the body that cleans the blood, which means that the ingredients, the magic ingredients that the adrenaline gland is going to use to manufacture the adrenaline is coming right out of the kidneys. The poison right out of the kidneys is put together in the adrenaline gland to make, um, uh, I think it's cortisone and adrenaline. Now, cortisone will stay longer in the system. It builds up. But in fact, uh, it's quite known that as people get older, cortisone builds up in the body. What that means is, is that those people who have cortisone building up in their body as they age spend a lot of their time in their uh, earlier in their life with adrenaline in their system. But the adrenaline will break down sometimes very quickly. In fact, the adrenaline is what we need to give us the energy. It's a high pump energy. That's why we call it anxiety and tension. It's because we're wired with this extra ingredient of fuel. I mean, it's like we've got high octane gas in the engine for the moment. 
with no place to go. All driven up, all charged up with adrenaline that we got with spinning the mind. So when you feel anxiety, by making friends with it, you're immediately changing it so that it, you begin to turn that adrenaline back off again. So think of that every negative thought that we have will put one more drop of adrenaline in the system. And by building and by building and by building with those thoughts, one thought after another, we get very tense and uptight. We can feel it. We feel restless. We feel disturbed. We feel like that we've got to go do something, that we feel, you know, agitated. You've heard all of these words. Now we're beginning to understand that we got into that state because we talked ourselves into it. And sometimes it doesn't take much. But in fact, sometimes it happens and it took whatever it took to get ourselves there. We weren't really paying attention to it. An example of that is, is that you're waiting for this is a clear example of, of it. You're waiting for your wife or your husband or uh, your mate or your daughter or someone in the family to come home and you're getting worried about them. It's not that, oh, where's Johnny? And then an hour later, oh, where's Johnny? And then two hours later, oh, where's Johnny? No, it was that during that first hour, where's Johnny? Where's Johnny? Where's Johnny? And then we begin to answer that with all kinds of fantasies. Oh, he's been in a wreck. Oh, he's gotten arrested. Oh, he's in the hospital. Oh, he's this, he's that. And then the next hour, we do it again. Where's Johnny? Oh, well, Johnny must be, have gotten into the mob. Oh, Johnny's been arrested by the IRS. Oh, the bears have eaten Johnny. <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh, dear, what can the matter be? Dear, dear, what can the matter be? Johnny's so long at the fair. You hear that, okay? And, and, and it's not just one thought about where's Johnny that causes the anxiety. It's the fact that we keep dwelling. Where's Johnny? Where's Johnny? Where's Johnny? And we grind it in. We turn that adrenaline tap on one drop at a time, one drop at a time, one drop at a time until we work ourselves up and we don't recognize that. So now as a meditator, you can begin to recognize, oh, I get myself into these anxiety states because I talk myself into them. Which means that if I stop talking myself into anxiety, the anxiety will go away. But so long, so, oh, I'm anxious. Oh, I've got all of this anxiety. It's just the kind of thought that's going to keep the anxiety there when we become anxious about our anxiety. That, in fact, someone who listens to their heartbeat, oh, no, the heart, something's wrong. My heart is pounding. I can hear it so loud. Okay, if they have those kind of thoughts, their heart will pound louder and it will have even higher blood pressure. But if they have the thought, oh, well, never mind, I'm the heart's just beating right now and let me listen to the rhythm, then they can soothe themselves back down again. What about we the anxiety? What do we say about the anxiety? Well, the anxiety, as I said, we talk ourselves into the anxiety. And if we don't like the anxiety, we keep it going because we're doing, because the anxiety is a reflection of not liking something. So if we don't like anxiety, we're going to become anxious about our anxiety. Hmm. 
So let us think instead the nurturing thoughts of Johnny will come home soon. I don't have to worry about him. He's a big boy. He can take care of himself. He's at the movie with his girlfriend or whatever. Just leave it alone. Don't worry about it. That in fact, the, the exact same thing can happen, uh, did happen with the dog. Lucky doesn't look like she's feeling good. She did not eat supper last night. But I'm not going to worry about it because just a few minutes ago, she hopped up and walked out, uh, ran out into the yard with the other dog to look at something. So now that she's back uh, mopey again, I don't care because she's already proven that she can uh, get up and go when she wants to get up and go. And I don't have to worry about taking her to the vet. I can relax. Okay. But under other circumstances, I say, oh, no, she's still sick. Oh, we've got to take her to the vet and have all of this worry and anxiety about the dog when the dog's got no worry or anxiety. She's just doing what she wants to do. And we have projected because she didn't eat supper last night and we can see her lethargicness. Well, dogs are lethargic. <laughs> They're just going around. I mean, they sleep all day. <laughs> but this time, because I see her lethargic and she didn't eat supper last night, we can put stuff together and begin to build up a trip, you see. This is how we do it. And every time I think about, oh, that poor dog is sick. We got to take her to the vet. That's just one more drop of adrenaline that comes into the system. Or when you're looking for somebody to come home. What about and this? You keep thinking about it. What about this? Yes, go ahead. Sometimes these thoughts, it's, it's not as it's not as so it's not as simple as just seeing, oh, I'm talking myself into anxiety. There's the thought. Sometimes it's that. They're seductive. They're very, um, they're very convincing. Yes, which means that they you're seem not paying attention. Yes, but they've always seemed legitimate. You have always been a fool convinced by your own lies. Everybody's like that. That's not special about you. We all talk ourselves into believing that, oh, it was right for me to be worried about Johnny. Oh, it's correct for me to be worried about the dog. That worry is exactly um, that repetitive negative thinking over and over and over again, which then builds up into restlessness because we're building up anxiety. That's why anxiety or let us say worry and restlessness are put together in the Buddhist suttas is because those repetitive thoughts build up into anxiety. Or we can choose to have different kinds of thoughts. Now, here's the point. How yeah, because I'm having a thoughts, little trouble. Right. How? Here's the question. How many thoughts did you have of, oh, poor Johnny, where is Johnny? I want Johnny to come home. How many times do we have those thoughts before we wake up to where, oh, Johnny can take care of himself. I don't have to worry about him. But, but Domerado, I woke up right away to it. I, I said, oh, I don't I, I see that. Don't 
nope, I don't want to do that. How do you know? How do you know that you woke up to it immediately? When you woke up, you woke up to what was happening right then. But what were you doing three or four minutes before that? We have to give ourselves the benefit of the doubt that we're not mindful all the time. Okay. Because this is a new skill that we're developing. And that it's okay that you're not mindful because you never have been and you survived. But now we're improving things. You're becoming mindful. And so we're waking up. And when we wake up, we wake up to what's happening right now. And so now is the time to change the repetitive thoughts. Over and over again, you'll begin to see that it wasn't just one thought about the girlfriend and where is she. It's that you had that same thought over and over and over and over again. You were dwelling on it. You were worried about her. And it was the worrying about her, the repetitive thoughts over and over again that cause anxiety. It's not just now it can be just one. Here's an example of just one thought. You're on the way to an interview. You're driving your car to the interview and immediately you are uh, halfway to the the the, off, the new office. You realize that you haven't brought your resume or something critically important. Maybe you forgot your cell phone and that means that you can't get into the building or you forgot your ID or something like that. And here you are driving, going to a very important event like a, a, an appointment for an interview and you have lost something or that you didn't bring something that was a key ingredient. Another example would be that you're going to make a presentation and you forgot to bring the PowerPoint or you forgot to bring your laptop. You know, this kind of thing. And mm -hmm. that's just one thought. And that's enough to start that anxiety then. So now the way that I would have done it years ago is that I would have turned around the car and raced back to the house to get the item that I had left and then race back to uh, all the way to try to make up for the time that it took that I had lost because I had forgotten the item. Yeah. Okay. Making the entire road dangerous for everybody, including me, because I'm so uptight and anxious and in a hurry that I'm driving too fast for conditions. Yeah. And the real conditions is not the conditions on the road. The real conditions is the condition in the mind of I'm in a hurry. I'm anxious. I'm uptight. Okay. But the anxious and the uptightness continue on because I continue while I'm driving the car back to the house. I'm thinking about, oh, I'm going to be late. Oh, I've got to go get that thing. Oh, this is terrible. And those kind of thoughts over and over and over again, work that anxiety up and keep it going. Hmm. But when we can start to see, oh, wait a minute, I'm going to be late for that meeting and that's okay. I could explain to them that I forgot something and I turned around and, and went to get it and I'll be all right. I can handle it. Or we can say I can go ahead and go do that meeting and it's okay that I didn't bring the stuff. We'll send it to them later. Okay, so the, in, in other words, we begin to convince ourselves back again with repeating it over and over again. Everything's going to be all right. 
I'll be able to make this trip. I can go home and get the item and I can drive safely, but I have to keep remembering that. Because otherwise I'm going to get myself back up into tied into knots because I forgot something. So you're really saying that the power isn't repeating the wholesome thought exchange as opposed to taking the power away from the repeating unwholesome thoughts that have the power of making us feel bad is how do we spend this mind moment so i think um this this probably makes sense right because thoughts are faster than feelings absolutely right? so exactly if i'm having an anxiety thought I can bet my bottom dollar that I'm going to feel it here. Right? Eventually within if you're if you're awake. Right. Right. But or if, you can run around tense and anxious and anxious and driving your car fast and not even know it. Right. Right. No, I mean I you know, I don't know if you remember me telling you but for the past 2 years all I've been doing is allowing experience allowing feelings like concentrating on it focusing on them noticing them seeing them so i've cultivated a lot of seeing with it so i don't think there's ever really much of a second where i don't know what i'm feeling maybe not maybe okay maybe maybe not that good but about 90 to 95 percent i probably i'm pretty aware of my feelings um but what you're saying is that when i have a negative or unwholesome thought that most likely is going to create something manifested in the body. So, and it's going to come after that thought. Now that's important to get because if I then start, if I catch it early and start saying positive on wholesome thoughts, like mm -hmm. I can do this, ah, no, like, or even, even this could be one, right? Oh, I see you. I see you like that could be a wholesome thought that is right? a wholesome thought okay exactly okay. oh i see you oh i'm glad okay i concentrated on seeing what i'm seeing and i acknowledge myself for it there's another one oh okay so we're capitalizing on what can i find about this moment to congratulate myself on to find success with to appreciate mm -hmm. um so that that feeling eventually is going to rewind itself back and out of my body. Like it's, it's, it's going to, it'll resolve itself. It does. Right. And the question is, the, um, well, <clears throat> how long does it take to come out of the body has to do with how much of it that we have built up while we were not mindful. Uh -huh. So unmindful and drip and unmindful and drip and it starts to build up and then we can see, wow, look how, and it's this thought. Let me change the thought. And now I'm having happy go lucky thoughts. And now it begins to dwindle back down again. Yeah, that was happening uh, today. Okay. So, um, an example of that would be a top or a gyroscope or something like that. You know that we spend the time winding it up with the thoughts and then we pull the string and the thing just spins and spins. But if we don't keep putting more energy into it, it will spin down. 
Okay. So the same okay. thing happens with the adrenaline. The adrenaline will spin down if we stop giving it any juice. Okay. Can you hold on one second, Domerato? I'll be right okay. back. One second. Okay, so, um, all right, so that being said, I have a question. Um, is, yes, is, does this process of waking up and becoming more mindful of your moment-to-moment -moment experience cause feelings, certain feelings that maybe weren't there before or noticed as much to come up? When we begin to investigate we begin to see things that weren't we didn't see before and we see what was there in new ways that's the answer to that question that as we investigate we will see things that we didn't see before and one of the things that i'm inviting you to do now is to investigate how repetitive thoughts, unwholesome repetitive thoughts, build up anxiety. Just like thinking about where's the girlfriend, where's the girlfriend, where's the girlfriend is like one more drop of adrenaline, one more drop of adrenaline, one more drop of adrenaline. That's what we're putting in is that's the thing that you begin to see is that my negative thoughts influence how I feel one drop at a time until I can work myself up into feeling bad. If that's the case, then wholesome thoughts means that I can have one wholesome thought after another and the drops of dopamine, the drops of uh, whatever is the anti um, Adrenaline, and in fact, the, I think the anti-adrenaline is merely the, the lack of the adrenaline. Hey, baby. <laughs> My girlfriend just got home. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. Thank you. Uh, do you want to meet Don Morado? This is, this is Abby. Hello, Abby. Hello. Oh, he says hi. <laughs> okay. She also is a good friend of Dan's. Good. Yes. Okay. Um, I'll be out in a little bit, babe. So. All right. Um, well, I'll I'll let you go. Let's stay with, with this one point. Then, as you begin to see that you talk yourself into the way that you feel, that is not just necessarily or generally one word. 
but it's the fact that we keep thinking about it over and over again and that you can interrupt that at any time. That okay, good. Remember. And and how does this fit into the wow practice that I've been doing with noticing the well, present moment? That that's the way of talking yourself into the wow. Which would you do? Would you rather talk yourself into the wow or talk yourself into, oh, no, my girlfriend's gone to the movie and I'm stuffed? Okay, which which one? Your choice. Present moment. Present moment, present, for sure. Present moment being joyful and happy will will take you into that wow state, but then the wow relaxes. Now, what about... Um, what what I could imagine here as a possibility is that in in uh, looking at the anxiety and looking at how it starts as one thought may require or may bring on anxiety in a way, right? Because I'm I'm coming face to face with it. I'm I'm choosing to stare it, you know, straight down. If you down. don't like it, if you don't like it, which that, I mean, how do you like anxiety? How do I like my anxiety? Well, oh, you like it in the sense of you recognize that you can see it. As opposed to having it grab you and you have been, uh, now you're the victim of it. Are you going to be the victim of this anxiety or are you going to be the champion of it? Well, I was experiencing that today where I could be, ah, irritation. I, yeah. I like seeing irritation. It's not so bad. Mm -hmm. um, now I got to work on that with anxiety. But what's the next part of that? You don't have to worry about the next part. It'll take care of itself if you keep having wholesome thoughts one after okay. another. This is all actually right, a right. very simple process. <laughs> okay. And it gives really good results in a hurry. Okay. It's only because meditators are practicing wrongly and not getting rid of these unwholesome thoughts that their meditation practice takes years and years. It's okay. because they haven't gotten this one point. This one point is, is that we have to come out of the repetitive unwholesome thoughts. Okay. That that's okay. what the whole business of the dark night of the soul is, is when you give yourself a whole lot of really negative thoughts while you're being very, very mindful of all of these negative thoughts. Well, see, that's so interesting because I've heard people talk about the dark night of the soul like it's a necessary and essential part of the path, that deep well, pain if you wind is part up in of the, the ditch, If you keep winding up in the ditch over and over again, you begin to get the idea that, hey, I'm a success at getting in the ditch. It must be a, uh, an important part of the path. Okay. That's happened for me it, many times. Yes. Yes. That's something that Dan and Ingram and I were discussing on the uh, Guru Viking, but we didn't get that point across so well. But he's made it before another point, other times. And that is, is that the dark night of the soul is optional. It depends upon how you're practicing. The longer and the longer you practice, the more likely you are going to have not just one, but multiple dark nights of the soul. Because you're not taking these unwholesome thoughts out of the mind, but you're developing the skill of sati, so you're really good at seeing the garbage, but you're not good at removing, un it. Remo removing 
the repetitive nature of it. Huh. Huh. That in fact, there is no place in any of the suttas anywhere that talks about a dark night of the soul. The word, the whole concept is a Christian concept. And Christians have a very good reason for having dark nights of the soul. And that is because they trusted in God. They had a friend called Jesus. They trusted in Jesus to get their troubles finished. And Jesus didn't do the job for them. If Jesus doesn't do the job for them, then who can they get to do it? And so they go into the dark night of the soul of failure because, number one, they don't have the ability to come out of their sin by themselves. And number two, God's not doing his job. God has forsaken me. Oh, my God, why hast thou forsaken me is, in fact, the dark night of the soul. That um, the very famous nun named, uh, she's called Mother Teresa. Years after she uh, died, her memoirs came out to show that she was in a long-term dark night of the soul, and that directly influenced how she spent the, uh, the money that was donated to her when she became famous. That, in fact, she was there to help the poor in Calcutta. But when she got a huge amount of money, she didn't help the poor in Calcutta. She said, oh, their suffering is beneficial for their spiritual growth, just like all of my suffering is beneficial for my spiritual growth. So what does she do? She goes and builds a nunnery in her own name so that she can get a whole bunch of other nuns to go suffer as much as she suffers. Wow. Wow. And they canonized her for that. But she had quite a number of people, uh, journalists, in fact, who were pointing out what was really going on. Uh, what was his name? Um, oh, he's still alive. Uh, no, Christopher Hitchin. That's the guy. He's just died, I think. But he was very, he wrote books about her. But anyway, here's the dark night of the soul. Whether it's St. John of the Cross or a Christian, the dark night of the soul comes to those kind of people. The meditator doesn't have that, that the meditator, even if he has a kind of a mini dark night of the soul, the point of it is, is that it redoubles his effort to remove the hindrances. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, I understand. So, I mean, haven't you, I mean, I'm sure you've heard of this. Haven't you ever heard of like, you know, and enlightenment is all about going through all of your pain. You'll cry all your tears. You'll go through all of your your disillusionment, your disorientation. Your, you know, there there can be such a. Yeah, would haven't you already done that? When are you going to get over that? How long have... do you have to go into that kind of crop before you give it up? What is your rock bottom? Well, that's what I'm wondering. Yeah, exactly. My rock bottom is just the surface. As soon as I hit the surface, I don't have to go all the way to the rock bottom. I can just say, wait a minute, that's enough. I just hit the dukkha. <laughs> Let me not go into it any deeper than this. So, it's just, uh, this boggles my mind because I was with someone for about a year and a half to two years on the Discord server, and he expressed pretty pretty heavily that it is all about allowing your internal experience everything you must allow your resistance 
must allow your but hatred, what is must allow your sadness. Everybody else, that's what everybody, that's all the ordinary people. So he's giving you ordinary people's advice that ordinary people do all the time, and they well, continue their suffering. When are you going to stop doing it? Well, no, the distinction is that most people suppress those things. Most people ignore their pain. They they suppress or are ignorant to their sadness, to their depression, to their hatred, to their arrogance. They're not okay. honest about it with themselves or with other people. So, you see? Okay, you, you I also understand can't that. Yeah. I have a little story about that. Okay, okay, okay tell imagine me. That, imagine that you're standing on the highway. Okay. And you look down the road... And you see a big truck, a semi or a lorry or something like that. And not only that, but he's blowing his horn. Here I come. You have three choices. One choice is the choice that you're talking about now. I see that truck coming and I'm going to stand there and let it run over me. That means that I've got two problems. One is, is that I got hit by the truck, and number two, I had the anxiety of getting hit by the truck before I saw it. And it may have been better for that truck to have hit me without me having even seen it come. There's another possibility, and that is what I call Popeye. We, we instantly grab a, a, a can of, um, uh, uh, I guess, power juice or uh, spinach or something, and then we try to stop that thought, and it runs over us anyway. Okay, this is the hardcore, really struggling meditator. Okay, and that doesn't work either. But in fact, it's better to just let it run over you rather than getting a really strong stance so that when it does run over you, you really get hurt. Right. Okay. All right. But there's a third way, and that's the way of the Buddha. And that is the third way is just to step out of the road. Let it miss you. Uh. So is everything that I've been taught a lie? Mostly, yes. And that's something that we have to come to conclusion about, that uh, then, in fact, the Buddha talks about that. And the, the, the Pali word for it is Siva Bhatta Paramasa. Siva Bhatta Paramasa means that we attach to rites, rules, and rituals that basically wound up being lies. Okay. Any rule that is passed will find exceptions to it. This is why people want mercy from the court, and there's all of that kind of stuff. This is one of the main reasons why so many people are against capital punishment, is because once you kill someone, you can't undo the damage that you've done to them. You can put somebody in 30 years in jail and then let him out, and he feels really free, and you might give him a million or two to million dollars for his effort. But if you kill somebody, and he was innocent, and now they're beginning to understand that, you know, maybe 20% or more of the people on death row are innocent. And so that's the issue. So coming around to that, most people, um, and by the way, there's an issue about that, uh, that point about suppression. We do not suppress feelings. We suppress behavior. You cannot suppress feelings. 
we do suppress behavior. An example is you see two guys fighting. Let us say that for some reason you're in a bar and now you have a bar fight. What are you going to do about it? Normally, people will say, well, I'm going to put a stop to that bar fight and I'm going to just get right in the middle of it. If you if you walk into another fight, you're going to get hit. If you try to break up two dogs from fighting, one of them, even your dog, is going to bite you. Okay, so we suppress that and we stay out of that fight. But we still have a lot of feelings about it. Right. Okay. Now, back in the 1970s, when all of this issue about suppression got started, this stuff came from a very famous psychiatrist called, his name was Fritz Perls, and he was at the Esalen Institute. He was very famous. He was the one who had the empty chair where no one's there, but you talk to the chair. So you have three chairs, you have the therapist, you have the client, and you have the empty chair. And the client then talks to the person that they are having trouble with in their mind, and they put an image of them in that chair and have a talk with mommy or whatever. That deteriorated into pillow bashing. That if the guy's really angry at his mom and he's got to let that anger out, and so he bashes the pillow, oh, I hate you, mom, you were so terrible to me, okay? That then evolved into the next thing, which was uh, eventually they called them encounter groups. And there was a whole industry that was built up with batons and heavy gloves, boxing mitts, helmets, all the kinds of stuff that you would see um, in a boxing ring for training boxers. But they were bringing all of this equipment into the psychologist um, therapy office for people to stop suppressing their feelings, thinking that it was anger. Or maybe they would, another example of that is having a whole box of Kleenex per session so that the woman is, the client is going to just cry and cry and cry and cry and cry and let it out, right? Another example of that, let stop suppressing your feelings. Here's what happened with that. People were getting angry in the encounter groups and going home and, and starting up new domestic violence. People who were not violent before became violent. They started the violence in their therapy session, getting permission and protection from the therapist. In other words, they were bringing on a new mommy into their mind, saying that it's okay to be violent in the therapy session. Therefore, it's okay to go home and be violent there. It's okay to be violent with the cops. It's okay to be violent with your boss. It doesn't matter. Let your feelings out. Don't suppress. Funny thing, the psychologist figured that out by 1980, and that whole business of encounter group equipment went out of business. Nobody uses that stuff anymore. But the new modern uh, group of young people have been left with this word called suppression. Thinking that, oh, you're not supposed to suppress your feelings. Where in fact, that's exactly what we want to do. We want to suppress these feelings. And the best way to suppress them is to stop giving them the energy that keeps them going. We do want to suppress our behavior. If you have the thought, oh, I, I hate that guy and I want to kill him, we need to suppress those kinds of uh, behaviors. If we see a, uh, a bobble in the uh, uh, Walmart, 
and we think that it's too expensive. Maybe it's batteries or maybe it's a microchip or something small like that. And so we have the thought, well, I'll just put it in my pocket. All right. We need to suppress those kind of behaviors. I've also heard that feeling is healing, allowing your feeling, allowing yourself to fully experience that feeling and those sensations. And then what? Get over it? Yeah, to let do it again. Yeah. No, let it well, do let it, it again. go. Well, let it go and do eventually. It again. Yeah. Well, that's the whole point that that doesn't work. That in fact, if you how to say it, if you practice something over and over again, you'll get fairly good at it. And we are all very good at feeling bad because we've been doing it over and over again. This is interesting because the friend that I'm telling you about who I've been studying basically for the past year and a half, what he did is he went through all of his misery, all of his pain until he got very, very, very tired of it. And then once he got so tired of it, one day it was gone. So it's okay. interesting. Here's a question. It's, Here's a question for you. How long is it going to take for you to get tired of it? Exactly. Exactly. How long is it going to take before you said, I've got enough of this? You're right. And then start to make right. a change. You're you right. don't have to go to rock bottom to do that. You can begin to wake up to the dukkha quickly. You don't have to wallow in it. You don't have to go so deep into it that it stares you in the face. You can see it at a distance and avoid it at a distance. And through that process, you can still wake up. You can still let go of the uh, illusion, illusion to self. You can still wake up. A better way up of saying it is, is that no, that is the, no, 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 no. That's not the way to look at it. Okay. That in fact, uh, uh, the correct way to say it is, is that so long as someone is letting their feelings out, they're not making any progress. Why don't you start making some real progress right away? How long does a boat have to be sailing along before he, the, the captain recognizes that all the anchor has been weighed and I've been dragging the anchor across the bottom of the ocean, slowing us down all this time. How long does he have to do it? Does he have to go all the way through the whole journey and then lift the anchor when it's time to set it down? How long are you going to drag this crap around? So what about this whole, th like, and I don't really think about this that much. I don't really look at this that much because it's not really useful, but like, self-realization and stream entry and um and uh what do they call these it these are all attainments that people have to get over wanting you have to stop know. wanting that stuff i know no i know i understand but this person that i'm talking about that okay. did a, con a a conversely different approach to what you're sharing with me had these has these attainments in his own experience he said he has he has gotten these attainments but he doesn't describe it as an attainment it's he says actually like describing it as an attainment is the problem like what you're saying the wanting it, 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 it's a byproduct of the process it's not uh it's not a means 
it's not a means okay. to it's not All like right. so yeah. ask instead of continuing on trying to convince me that he did the right thing i'm not or that to... he was successful at it ask yourself do you want to go through the same mess that he went through i don't i don't and oh. and how long are you going to stay in your mess before you recognize that you've had enough of it? I've had enough of it now. All right. Well, this is the issue about uh, basically mentioning this: the dark night of the soul immediately brings up the 16 stages of insight, which is something that's out of the 5th century A.D., from the Vasudhimaga, perhaps you know about the 16 stages of insight to where no. <laughs> step six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and eleven are that sequence that we're talking about here. And that is the meditator sees <clears throat> the uh the fear. He sees the fearfulness, he sees his own misery. He sees yep. his disgust. He yep. sees his um, great desire to get out of this. Yeah. <laughs> and then he makes the strong determination that he is going to get out of this. And that strong determination to get out of that means that now he's going to start practicing correctly to remove the unwholesome thoughts that are causing it. Hmm. Now, here's the point. If the students are not taught correctly, that means that it's possible for them to go 20 years slowly going into the dark night of the soul. Mm. And that the dark night of the soul is not necessary at all. The question is, when can you wake up to the dukkha and then put a stop to it? Are you, how long do you have to dwell on it? And if you have the idea, oh, I have to fully experience it, all of that, then that's a long, slow, difficult process. So you're saying stage eight, would you say you said stage eight through 11 is the process in which the meditator wakes up and realizes that he's going to put an end to, he's going to put an end basically to this process that we do to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. And so why don't we start that way? Why do we have to spend 20 years in meditation before we figure out that what we've been doing all along in our meditation is not removing the hindrances? Well, what is stage one through seven? Um, really not so important. But in fact, it only gets important in st to t step 12. And step two... <laughs> is the real doozy <laughs> what is step 12 is um, the Eightfold Noble Path which is basically where we start in the right. Mahasi method it's 20 years into your meditation practice before you ever start for the Eightfold Noble Path and the Four Noble Truths okay. rather than starting at that Okay. see the dukkha and throw it out remove it, get rid of it okay Okay. And okay. then what is, what is 13 through 16? Well, number 16 is especially important because six, 16, which seems to be the end of it, is actually a place to begin. 
And that is <laughs> ongoing investigation <laughs> to find out what's left. <laughs> well, that's where we should be in. So doing it in a particular order is not very useful or, or uh, valuable. Ah, okay. Okay. That in fact, there's a much more natural approach or a natural way of doing it. And you can already, you've gotten enough of, of what we're talking about here to recognize, no, this is the better way to do it. I, Let's no, not I do. dwell in those bad feelings. Let's start cleaning them out instead. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Awesome. Okay. Well, I'm going to let you get to that call. All right. Well, we'll talk to you later then. All right. Thanks, Tomorado. Appreciate you. Okay. 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 Bye. We'll see you. Okay. Bye bye.